All right. Welcome to the Choose Optimism podcast brought to you by Optimist International. This is a podcast to let people know what's going on in their backyard, that there is lots of good going. As optimists, we like to be good stewards of our community and do good things in our community. And we have a very special guest tonight who is our international president this year. And I'd like to start off with a quote this year before I introduce our president. But a leader is one who knows the way, goes the way, and shows the way. At this time, it is my great pleasure to introduce the 2022-23 international president, Bob McFadden. Bob, thanks for joining us tonight. Shane, it's just an honor and a pleasure to be with you tonight and uh, just looking forward to having a good discussion. So one of the things we always talk about when we have our guests on here, because all, all the ones you've had are optimists or work with Optimist International. Bob, what's your optimist story? How did you get started? Because before you were international president, you started out as an optimist joining a club. And how did you join a club? Or tell us your optimist story. Very, that's a very interesting question, Shane. And that, mine is an interesting story because I was never actually asked to join an optimist club. My daughter, my 15-year-old daughter, I should say pennies and not my daughter, uh, was recognized at a youth appreciation event when uh, she was working for the uh, city as a counselor, a camp counselor. Uh, when Penny and I went out with her to the youth appreciation dinner event at the Kitchener-Waterloo Optimist Club, I we were both very, very impressed with what the optimists were doing. And I had been coaching junior girls t-ball for 15 years, and I knew that I was coming to an end of that. So on the way home from that event, Penny and I talked about whether or not it would be a good idea for me to join the Optimist Club, because that was something I wanted. I was very interested in because they were working with youth. And Penny said to me, Bob, I fully support you joining the club just under one circumstance. Just make sure that you join as a member and don't run everything. Because I had a tendency of always taking on leadership roles in whatever volunteer organization I got involved with. So actually, I did reach out to the Kitchener-Waterloo Optimist Club. I did join the club. Within six months, I was on the board of directors. Within three years, I was a club president. And you know the rest of the story. It's funny how most of the times when, like I said, people start out, this organization is built... Everybody was right where you were at one time before they became a leader. They were just a club member. And this room, this gives you a ton of room to grow as a leader in this organization. It certainly does. Shane, I just want to make a comment on that because one of the things that I have really recognized this year is that this organization is full of wonderful, wonderful people. And this organization also offers you whatever opportunity you want to take. So if you just want to work within your community and spend a few hours, you know, a month or a few hours a year making a difference in the life of a child, that's great. But if it's something you want some personal growth and development on, the sky is a limit. As long as you are interested, there are all sorts of opportunities in a very, very safe environment, surrounded by good people who want to see all of us succeed. So I just wanted to make that comment, Shane. And it's a great comment to make because it's a true comment. And like you said, you can go as far as you want. And like you said, you started out as a a member, and I'm sure you advanced through the stages and then became international president. One of the things that we talk about, uh, people don't realize to become international president, all you really need to do is be a governor of your district. It doesn't say you have to be international vice president or anything like that. But there is quite a process when you become 
become international president. Tell us a little bit about your experience with your becoming international president when you went to the interview process and nomination process and so forth. There is quite a process, Shane. And actually, I was vice president uh, the year that this all started. I had a very, very good year as vice president. Uh, I had, was surrounded with tremendous uh, optimist leaders uh, in the district. We had uh, that we were the number one region that year. And then I had people approaching me saying, you know, when are you going to be president? And of course, my response was, I'm not going to be because I, I at that point, I truly it was not in the works for me. It was not what something I had aspired to or planned to be. And then I got a phone call from CQ and asked to be if I could put my name forward. And I thought about it. And I said, yes, you can. Uh, they said it'd be two or three years. And then within three months, I got a phone call asking me to come in for an interview. And so I, I agreed to take the interview. Now, once that happened, uh, because I had been vice president under a tremendous leader, uh, President Nick Perlman, who had developed action plans for everything he wanted to do, the first thing I sat down saying was, well, if I really want to be president, then I better think about what I can do and what I can provide for the organization. So I started set about uh, developing an action plan, uh, which included, of course, communication and growth and, and etc. Because I wanted to know what I could actually offer the organization. Uh, prior to that, I really wasn't sure. This organization has had some tremendous leaders. Uh, and I, you know, we've had lawyers, we've had judges, we've had accountants, we've had all sorts of uh, expertise that have been leading this organization. And I wasn't sure what I could do differently and what I could add. So it wasn't until I had actually set out putting that action plan together that I actually got to the process where I thought, hey, gee, you know, maybe I could make a difference. So anyway, with that, that I did that. We went through the original interview process. My interview did not go well. I think I came in a little harsh. Uh, and I was not selected. And so a couple of years later, I decided that I was going to self-nominate, which I did, because at this point, I now decided that I think I can make a difference in this organization. So I self-nominated. The CQ committee called me and asked me if I would be willing to go in for an interview. And of course, I said yes. CQ actually made me their nominee. And then I had uh, two people run against me. And so we had a long campaign, which goes on for a long period of time, Shane, because if you realize that the CQ committee actually does their interviews at the beginning of February and makes their decision then, people have till the beginning of March. Uh, sorry, the beginning of April to self-nominate. So that's that's a four to six week wait period. And then, of course, we have to campaign and P the clubs have the opportunity to vote during the month of May. So if you're selected by the CQ committee in February, the beginning of February, it's actually the beginning of June before you actually find out whether or not you've been elected or not. So it's a long, drawn out process. Well, at least it's not a two year process like running for president of the United States, just a uh, six month process. Process. Tell us about when you become when you became president. Tell us some of the feelings you had and some of the, the the goals that you wanted to get accomplished, or some of the things that you wanted to put in place when you became president. Well, obviously, when I got elected, it it was exhilarating. Uh, I was very humbled and very honored to have the opportunity to lead this great organization. So one of the key things that I 
was thinking about during my whole process of becoming a president was what was happening within the organization. I had had an opportunity. I'd been on audit and finance committee five years. I'd actually chaired the committee for three years. So I was very, very familiar with the finances of the organization. I also had the opportunity to sit on a committee that actually reviewed the structure and administration of our organization and compared it to other service organizations. So I had a pretty good sense of that. One of the things that I was sure of and pretty comfortable with was that our, our district structure was was starting to fail us. And by that, I meant that we had been through 30 years of declining membership. Now, all other service organizations are structured exactly the same way. But obviously, if we're losing members on a regular basis over three decades, uh, our district structure was the communication process I didn't think was working. So one of my main goals was to communicate directly with members. So I have set about doing a monthly communication to members. As It's entitled Just Three Things. There's a message from me. There's a spotlight where I highlight something that's happening within the organization. And then there's an opportunity for a quick update on different issues that are happening within the organization. That was my number one goal. My number two goal was I hope that through this communication, I could develop growth. Uh, I really believe that our members love this organization as much as I do. And in order for us to grow, we need our members engaged because only members can replace members within their own club. There's no outside force that can come in and all of a sudden start attracting members into a club environment when they don't exist in that current club. So one, one of my objectives was basically to inform all of our members, get our members engaged, and hopefully we could uh, start seeing the turnaround in membership and maybe even see if we could break even or maybe even start a small growth within our membership. So so those were my plans. Basically, communication, growth through uh, sustainable and, and improving our and strengthening our current clubs and also building new clubs. And people don't realize that the membership is Optimist International. We as leaders answer to the general membership about things that are happening within our organization. I learned a lot when I was a president of my club and actually was able to attend the international convention in Louisville, Kentucky, where I learned like the membership for the ones that are voting on the bylaws and what's going on. The board presents them, but the membership is very active in making sure that our organization is run by our members. And people always say, well, the leaders just don't care. I said, well, it's because you don't care because the leaders are asking you, what do you want us to do? And that's that's very true, Shane. And, and one of the things that I think we all have to understand is that everything that happens within this organization happens at the club level through our members. All I can do or all any leader can do from Optimus and from the headquarters, and you are correct, so I just want to emphasize the fact that we are all Optimus International. I am not Optimus International. I am just a person representing the organization on the volunteer side. But all I can offer anybody, any of our members or any of our clubs is information, maybe a little motivation or a little incentive. My goal this year was to add 11,000 new members because I knew that we would lose approximately 11,000 members. So my goal was to just replace those members we lost. I don't have 11,000 friends. However, we have 52,000 members. If a quarter of our members each sponsored one member, Member, we would be able to attain that goal. And so that was my that was my target. That was my aspiration. Uh, sadly, we aren't getting there. But Shane, I can't emphasize enough that if our members don't replace the members we are losing in our clubs, then our clubs are destined to die. There is no other alternative, sadly. 
So one of the perks of being Optimus International is you get to meet a lot of people. And I know you've been traveling with Penny all over the U.S. and Canada. Tell us about some of the experiences that you've had one-on-one when you go to a club or a district meeting or something like that. Tell us some of the favorite things you like to do when you're doing that part of the, the job. Well, Penny and I have actually taken the opportunity, and we have traveled quite a bit, Shane. We have, um, I think we have now been to at least 35 different clubs uh, throughout North America, we have been to, we have visited 18 different districts. We've been to like 15 district meetings. I think as of today, we have probably been in front of at least 2,100 Optimus face to face. So this all started, strangely enough, started at the beginning of the year when I came down for my first board meeting in November in St. Louis and found out that the summit meeting with the service leaders and that summit meeting includes all the leaders for the service organizations that are in North America got was was going to happen the following weekend in Oklahoma City. So my thought was, what? Why would I waste my time going back home and then coming right back down a week later? So I reached out to Cheryl Brand, our executive director, and I. Said, said, Cheryl, would it make sense for me to just visit? I will drive down to our meeting in St. Louis. Then I'll drive to Oklahoma City. Let's see if we can set up some club visits between St. Louis and Oklahoma City. And we did that. And I visited three different clubs, including Columbia in Missouri and Manhattan Breakfast Club in uh, Kansas. In Kansas. I, I extended that. So every time I went into the U.S., we decided to travel. One of the travels that we did when we went into the March our March board meeting, we actually went over to, um, we went from St. Louis to Ashland, Missouri, up to Des Moines, Iowa, into Indiana, hit three cities in Indiana, and then went into Ohio. And we we visited 10 different clubs in Ohio. And just to give you an idea of what we had, we visited the Centerville Noon Optimist Club, which is our largest club in Optimist International, over 300 members, and they had 120 members for a noon meeting. The following night, we visited Dayton Huber Heights Optimist Club that has eight members. What I can tell you, Shane, is that we are very, very well received. We have people that are, and I don't think I'm going on a limb when I say this, they're actually overwhelmed that an international president would visit their club. But they have been, we have been warmly welcomed in every club that we have visited. Uh, Everybody is really appreciative of the fact that we take the time. And again, Shane, I just want to emphasize the fact that this organization is full of wonderful, caring human beings who want to make a difference in their community. And I'm just, we're always just inflated and uh, just feeling so great about that type of situation when we meet these people. Uh, we, we, Penny and I have enjoyed every single visit. We truly have, and we just wish that we could do more. So speaking of all those club experiences, What's been your favorite experience so far being president visiting these clubs? Do you have a specific event in mind that you're, that sticks out the most for you? Boy, that that's a hard question to answer. I think the most the highlight is some of the programs that we have seen, and I and I and I can talk about two or three of them because there's no one that is is really a specific highlight. But for instance, there is the OVY camp. And that stands for Optimist uh, Volunteering for Youth. And this is a small club in California in the San Francisco area that actually puts on a summer camp for grades five to nine-year-old students. Uh, And they've been doing this for 70 years, all on their own. And 
it's just incredible when you think about this because not only do they provide that camp for the young students, but the older high school students that are in grade 10 to 12 who have actually been through the camp are welcome back as volunteer counselors. So they get a chance to actually develop their leadership skills. And once they graduate from high school, they could come back as a paid uh, counselor. But that's a phenomenal program for a very small club that has been serving youth for decades. Uh, there are there are many others. I was I was overwhelmed when I went to North Carolina and there's a a boys and girls camp there, and there are six cabins in the camp. Each cabin is sponsored by a separate service organization. And what those cabins are used for is for temporary homes for children that are actually removed from their parents. And what we saw when I was there, I we actually, that was where they held their third quarter conference. And Penny and I were fortunate enough to be there at the time. And the optimists there had a look and had a tour of the camp. And they were so concerned about the the quality of the camp, their cabin at that particular time was beginning to get run down and needed some repairs, that one of the clubs uh, actually took it upon themselves to make a commitment of $10,000 plus brought in professional construction help to redo that cabin. Those are the types of things that you see when you travel that we don't see on a day-to-day. But, but Shane, all of our clubs do wonderful things. One of the things that I'm focused on right now is trying to develop a partnership between our clubs and the schools, elementary schools in particular. Our clubs do a lot already. And th- this this was triggered in my mind when I was talking to some of the members and found out that there are clubs out there that do an underwear program. And I said, well, what's an underwear program? Why are you doing that? And basically what it is is that children at school, particularly elementary school, obviously, um, have accidents and not all of them have enough clothing and their families don't have enough clothing. And so school teachers or whatever will have clean underwear in drawers that they can be, that can be used to help those, those children in need. And, uh, you know, another, another uh, club talked to me about, uh, buying shoes for children. Uh, they buy, uh, every year they buy shoes for kindergarten and grade one students every single year. And I said, Boy, that that's incredible. Uh, is there any reason why you don't buy for older age? And he said, yes, it's because of the limited resources we have. But every year we do the kindergarten and grade one. So it's that type of thing. And then when I found out that there are students, young girls who actually miss school on a monthly basis because their families can't afford personal hygiene products, I'm thinking, wait a minute, we're in Canada and the United States. We're not third world countries. This is what optimism is all about. So this is really why... I want to develop a partnership with the elementary schools through our organization, have our clubs partnering with that. Which that just loops back into our memberships are our core part of Optimus International. And they're the ones that are on the ground doing all this stuff. Like I said before, this is the member driven organization. This is not a top to down like a corporation. This is a from the bottom up. So, I mean, that just circles right back to what we were talking about earlier. Uh, tell us a little bit about when you do become president, uh, you know, going back to the beginning a little bit, you get to pick a team, which helps, you know, with your membership and your communications and your marketing strategy and such. Tell us a little bit about how you fill those roles with people, because uh, a lot of people don't realize that those are appointed positions within the organization. Um, and I was fortunate enough to be asked by you to be on your membership committee this year, which I've had a blast doing this year, doing the 
helping with the podcasts and doing a couple programs that I'm pushing for to help bring membership in. But tell us a little bit about picking your team and getting that process started. And that's a very good question because there, that is a very, very involved uh, process. Uh, I work very, very closely with head office staff. Uh, I obviously, I would, over the years, based on the various committees I've been on, I came in contact with various people. When I travel to districts as no Repic, I come in contact with people. But be- between that and the head office staff, who are generally pretty experienced in dealing with, with some of our members, we work out a key list of members, people who have been successful in some of their roles, you know, good uh, members who have been good club presidents, might have been a good lieutenant governor. Sometimes you're looking for people uh, that have been, uh, been successful at the governor level, but you don't need that. In fact, to be quite honest with you, one of the things that I was trying to be focused and on this year was bringing in younger members. And I brought in, in fact, one of the members on the membership committee, as you're well aware, because you're there, uh, has never been at, at the international level before, has never been a governor uh, within our district. So I think that there are good, high-quality people out there. Oftentimes, we don't know who they are. So we have to rely on input from other people. We reach out to various people. But I rely very heavily on our head office staff who deal with the members on a day-to-day basis. So, And then what you just try and do is you, you, you make a list uh, and you get, these are the people I want to have. And now you try and fit them to the various committees that you have, like whether or not it's going to be a growth committee, membership or new club building or leadership committee where they're doing developing and training uh, of our members, both at the district and at the club level, or whether or not it's it's activities or club, uh, you know, childhood health and wellness. It just really depends. You try and fit them to their interests and where you think their skills will lie so that you have the strongest, best teams going forward. Because no organization is successful with just one person. This is, as they say, it takes a village to raise a child. It takes more than a village to run an organization. Trust me. Oh, I can only imagine. And trying to fill those roles. And I'm sure, like you said, you're on the phone all the time and you're out visiting. And the experience that you have with that, bringing that to the organization is, is a huge deal with their team. So, I mean, I, I can speak from experience being on a team. And it's just fun for people to, you know, we come up with ideas and we, you know, go through things of how to make sure these programs are going to be successful within our organization. Now, I know that your uh, elected year is coming to an end because our fiscal year runs from October 1st to September 30th. I'm sure with only about a month and a half left, there's probably some feelings that we haven't quite got all we got done, but I'm sure you're very excited with some of the stuff that has happened. Tell us a little bit about that moving forward after, you know, you finish your year here, you'll obviously still be involved in the organization, but uh, tell us some of the things you're excited about that you have accomplished this year with your goals. Yeah, Shane, I think the the one thing that I am the happiest about is my communication with the members. I have made a, I have made a commitment and I have followed through with that commitment to send out a monthly information uh email to each of our members. And I think that I have been open and honest with our members. I've tried to ensure that our members understand the challenges that this organization is taking and also for them to understand that they play a critical role in the success of this organization. So I think that between my messages to the members and the visits that Penny and I have made, I think that's the thing that I'm most pleased with. I think my message has been very well received. 
obviously, my disappointment is the fact that we're not seeing change on the growth side. Interestingly enough, um, you will notice if, that we are currently sitting at minus 2,200 in membership, which is right on target where we have been on average for the last 10 years. The interesting thing on this, though, is that even though we put in a $15 per member increase last year, our de deletions are right on average over the past seven to eight years. There's been no jump. The, the biggest disappointment for me is we are not adding new members. And this is a thing that I do not understand. Our members love this organization because no matter who I talk to, they will tell me that they love this organization. They love the fact that they have the opportunity to make a difference in life with a child. Let's be honest, Shane, we have the opportunity of meeting and making wonderful friends. And I think almost every optimist has made a personal friend uh, through their organization and through their club. We have opportunities for personal growth, as you mentioned earlier. We have... Uh, just by trying to live the creed every day, we become better people ourselves and we make a difference in the lives of children. Our communities need us more than ever before. The children need us more than ever before. And yet, for some reason, we're unable to share this love and passion that we have for the organization. So I would say that that's my biggest disappointment. I, I really believe that when I took over this role, that if I was able to communicate and let the membership know the challenges we were facing, that they love this organization as much as I do, and we would see a change. And sadly, we haven't. And and I think, Shane, that would be my biggest disappointment. Uh, so it's, it falls in the, in the same thing, right? I've, I've been able to communicate and get my message out, but my it hasn't changed anything, which is, which is disappointing. Which goes right back into our thing where we are member-driven. And if our members are not recruiting and we're not actively adding new members to our rosters, our clubs were slowly going to disappear. So that is just a huge, huge reminder that to our membership and to our listeners, this is a membership-driven organization. Without you, we cease to exist. So I want to remind that to people, and I'm sure I hope this will resonate with some people to go out and say, I have one person I can bring in to have fun with me, and maybe that might be the next international president that they bring in. Who knows where you can start out at uh, Bob, I wanted to thank you for being with us. I know I had the pleasure of meeting you in person, and I can't wait to see you again here soon. Uh, I just want to thank you for being on the podcast and letting us know some stuff. I hope this resonates with our membership that, like you and I were talking about, this is a membership-driven organization. And we are if, it, if it's not for our membership, we are not going to be here. Jane, I want to thank you very much for the opportunity to talk with you. Uh, I love this organization, but I also know that each one of our members love this organization. And the, the sad part is, if every member recruited just one person in their lifetime as a member, just their replacement, we would never have a membership issue. And I think if we could take that to heart and realize that we're not asking you to bring in tens of hundreds of people, one person each is all we need, and we can keep this, this organization going. I hope that we can the partnership uh, with the elementary schools will be a, a driving force to attract more members because one of the things I do want to emphasize, Shane, is the fact that when we are providing the basic needs for these elementary school students, we are doing more than just buying product. We're actually providing hope. And when we provide hope, we are creating an environment where students have the opportunity to develop confidence and self-esteem. 
And they can't do that when they don't have their basic needs being met. When they're going to school hungry, without personal hygiene products, without the proper clothing, et cetera, it just doesn't happen. I would really, truly like to believe that our organization, the Optimist organization, that hope lives here, and we have the opportunity to share that with every child in our community. Thank you so much for the opportunity to be with you tonight, Shane. Thanks, Bob. I appreciate you being here. One of the things I always like to do is always end with a quote because we start with one, we end with one. Something to think about at the beginning of our show and something to take with you when you leave our show. And today I pick leadership is not an action. Or excuse me, leadership is not a position. It is an action. So if you take action, you are a leader. I'd like to thank our listeners for being part of the show today. If you like us, if you like our podcast, make sure you give us a five-star review. Like us and share us on your streaming platform so that others may hear our message. And we look forward to seeing you on the next episode of the Choose Optimism podcast. And until then, make sure that you choose optimism. 